This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, yeah. All three of y'all. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hey, I'm Joel. I'm a part of the Dream Team here at the River Church. I'm excited to be here with you. Pastor Mike is actually at a conference this week, so he's not here. So to quote, you know, uh, that quote back in the day, it says, when the pastor's away, the church will play. So uh, this morning, we're going to have some fun. Uh, y'all pray for me. You know, believe it or not, this is very, this is a nervous experience for me to preach because, uh, you know, they say like the number one fear is public speaking. So you guys got to pray for me. My wife thinks I'm crazy because she's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, it really is nerve wracking for me. So at any point, if, if something that I say resonates with you, you are okay to say like, amen. That's right. Let's go. Even, even if I get a preach, preacher. I will be so happy. All right, so that's that's worship God, and it's also some encouragement to me to know that I'm I'm on point. Uh, but yeah, so so I've been I've been talking to Mike about his series coming up called "Who Is This Jesus," uh, and so he's been telling me a little bit about. So I got you know a little bit of info on it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, he's going to be preaching a lot about out of the New Testament, and if you know me, when I speak, I love to preach out of the New Testament. So this was a challenge for me to go OT. I didn't want to preach something he was going to preach. So I, I went as far possibly as I could from the New Testament. I could have gone farther if you know the Bible. Uh, but I, uh, I'm preaching from the Old Testament this morning. I was like, man, what do I need to be speaking about? How many of you guys know that God speaks through your loved ones? Amen? Anybody? So I was in the car with Katie, my wife, and we were riding. This was a couple weeks back, and uh, I was like, man, I'm really trying to figure out what I need to preach about. And uh, she was like, you know what? You preach a lot about men in the Bible. Why don't you preach about a woman in the Bible? Uh, All the women, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I need to do. So today I'm preaching about a woman of God. I'm excited. I really am excited about this. Shifting gears real quick. When I walk into Chick-fil-A... Yeah, you know, I always got to get Chick-fil-A in there. When I walk into Chick-fil-A, I, I can't physically see the free Wi-Fi. But when I walk in there and I pull out my phone, it's already connected. You want to know why? Because I was here yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, some of you guys came in this morning and you are asking for deliverance. You're like, God, deliver me from being short. Nobody? That was funny. Uh, deliver me from being short. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, listen, b- actually being on the taller side has its pros and cons, all right? And there's a lot of cons. Let's just say, for instance, if you're a shorter person and you were up here on the stage and you tripped, it's really not that far down. If I trip, however, and I hit my face, it's a long way down. Yeah, tall people, amen? Yeah, listen, and when I hit the ground, I don't have to see gravity to know that gravity exists, okay? Yes, it is true. I'm a designer, I'm a graphic designer at BNSF Railroad, uh, and so I work around a lot of different designers on a weekly basis. These people are incredible. They're incredible. They will create things from scratch, from their mind, all right? So if you were to tell me that imagination isn't real, I'm seeing the evidence, the actual effects of imagination every single day. I don't have to see it to know that it exists. 
I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have to be because I'm a preacher. But I'm going to share something with you that I'm a little embarrassed to share about. Uh, and I just got to do this. God, I'm obeying. Um, uh, so when my wife was pregnant uh, with my boy, Manny Fresh, uh, we went to the doctor and they were saying, telling us like, hey, there's going to be this thing that happens called pregnancy hormones. And I was like, uh, honestly, I didn't believe it. All right, I know y'all are crazy. I thought this was just some way that that pregnant women could control their soon-to-be husbands, all right? like, So I thought pregnancy hormone, I thought this was a made-up thing, okay? Until one day, I'm sitting in the living room, and I'm on the couch watching TV, and I hear, <laughs> in the kitchen. I'm like, what? So I turn around, and I see Katie at the counter going, <laughs> and there's tears running down her face. I'm like, Katie, are you okay? And she's like, <laughs> looks at me she says we're out of mayonnaise <laughs> I was like what is happening <laughs> like dear God save me I said do you want me to go to the store and get you some mayonnaise and she went yes and she started crying I knew that I knew at that moment I said I can't see pregnancy hormones but by the effects of what I see in my wife I do know they exist and then my little boy like I said Manny Fresh comes along right I can walk into a room and I don't have to see the presence of a substance in the backside of that diaper to know that there is a substance, there's something in there and it exists. All right. I smelled it when I came in the room. All right. Uh, there are two books in the Bible that are named after a woman, the book of Ruth and the book of Esther. And out of the, all the 66 books of the Bible, there is one book in the Bible that does not mention God. It doesn't have his name in it. It doesn't allude to God. It doesn't say anything about God. He appears to be invisible in this book. And many of us, there are going to be times in your spiritual life, you're going to be walking along, and it's going to feel like God is nowhere to be found. Amen? Is that, I mean, is, is that a shared experience? Has anyone ever experienced that? In the book of Esther, uh, it's, it's awesome because in the book of Esther, it doesn't mention God uh, at all. Almost, it, it, God is invisible. And like I said, there are going to be moments in your life where you're going, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't hear you. God, you appear to be invisible. And I just want to tell you that though God may not be working in the foreground of your life, he is working in the background. I'm thinking about the book of Esther. There will be moments in your faith journey where you cannot trace God, but you have to learn how to trust God. You cannot trace God, but you have to learn how to trust God. And I really think that this book is in the Bible to teach us that. The book of Esther may not mention God, but it doesn't take long to see his fingerprints all over this book. And we're going to see some of that today. And if you dig a little deeper in the book of Esther, which I know the second you guys leave this, this service, you're not even going to go to eat. You're going to get your Bible. You're going to go home. You're going to study this book. It's, you guys are amazing. When you dig into the book of Esther, I'm going to tell you, you may not hear about God, and you may even see glimpses of Jesus in this book. This is like 400 years before Christ. You may see shadows. You may hear whispers of Jesus in this book. That's how incredible this book is. Uh, Esther is awesome. And so this morning, uh, we're, we're going to get into the Word. Uh, uh, we're going to be kicking it off. Go ahead and give your neighbor uh, a high five. Give him an up high. Yeah. 
Uh, if you're brave, give them a down low. And if you're really feeling good, give them a too slow. Yeah. I'm going to be reading out of Esther 1 verses 1 through 5. All right. And in my sermon notes, I have it categorized. And this is what's called party time. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read. Here we go. This chapter or this part is called Vashti Angers the King. These events took place in the days of Xerxes, or you'll see here it says Ahasuerus, all right? Real quick, Ahasuerus, this is the Hebrew name for a king named Xerxes, all right? I'll talk about him in a minute. And I, for the sake of this, I'm not actually going to say Xerxes when you see it, that way you're not confused. Uh, Xerxes, who ruled 127 provinces from India to Cush. In those days, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the fortress of Susa. So like I said, Ahasuerus is the actual Hebrew name for the king Xerxes. If you know anything about Xerxes, has anybody ever heard of Xerxes before? Yeah, some of you have. King Xerxes was a bad dude. Some of you guys love that story. Remember the 300 Spartans that held off the Persian army? Yeah, some of y'all are like, I love that story. Yeah, Xerxes was the guy that killed him. All right, so sorry. Uh, Yeah, he's a bad dude. All right. So Xerxes was the king of a country, or excuse me, more of a superpower called Persia, all right, Persia. This, was, this book was written around 483 B.C., or this, this story took place around 483 B.C. This was when the Jews were in exile. So what happened was Xerxes and the Persians went into Jerusalem, and they took all the Jews. And what they would do is they would, if they captured a place, they'd take you as a slave to try to assimilate you into their culture, all right? And so, so that's what Xerxes has been doing. We've been studying Daniel and the Daniel Dilemma, the series that we just finished up. So if you remember Daniel, he lived around the time that King Darius was in charge. King Darius was a, was a king over a province in the superpower in the nation of Persia, all right? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that story, okay? They were under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, our pastor, Pastor Mike, uh, commonly calls him Nebi, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, so Nebi, right? Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, which was a province in the nation of Persia. All right? And so not only was Babylon a huge uh, uh, province, but also Assyria. If you guys remember Nehemiah, Nehemiah was an exiled guy. He was a cupbearer to the king. And he heard that the walls in Jerusalem had been destroyed. And he, he basically came before the king, and the king let him go back to rebuild the walls. If you remember Ezra, Ezra also was an exiled Jew who was let go to go rebuild uh, the temple. So all of this is kind of happening around the time uh, of Esther. Esther was actually more around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, not so much Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But unlike all of those Jews that got to go home, Esther didn't get to go home. She stayed behind, all right? She wasn't a part of the remnant. So let's move on to verse 3. He held a feast in the third year of his reign for all his officials and staff, the army of Persia and Media, the nobles and the officials from the provinces. He displayed his, this glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for a total of 180 days. And at the end of this time, the king held a week-long banquet in the garden courtyard of the royal palace for all the people from the greatest to the least who were present in the fortress of Susa. All right, so the king, Xerxes, for 180 days is showing off what he's got. And then at the end of the 180 days, he throws a rager. I'm talking a week-long party where it is just, 
it's off the chain, all right? You can read in the text. I'm not making this up. They brought out the gold and silver couches. How many times have you guys brought out the gold and silver couches at your house parties, right? Yeah, they brought out the, co- the couches. Listen, it even said that the goblets that they used, not one of them was exactly the same, like gold. They had jewels uh, in it. Bejeweled? No, no. They had them like, there was just like inlaid stones. There you go. It was, it was beautiful. Um, and, and not only that, the scripture even says, if you read on in the text, it says there are no restrictions. The words no restrictions are there. On top of that, it says the wine flowed freely. That should tell you all you need to know. All right. This party was crazy. And then the scripture says in the book of Esther gives us a little insight and they're being really nice to King Xerxes here. It says in verse 10, the king was feeling good on wine. All right. Joker was drunk. All right. But he was hammered. Okay. The king, I, I would, I would beg to say that probably everybody at this party was hammered and the king was feeling good on wine. All right. And so he does, that was really our first bad sign that something really rough was going to happen. I think there's a whole sermon in here about relationships. You're going to see in a minute. So he's drunk, right? And he tells his boys, he says, hey, I want to show off, I'm showing off the splendor of my kingdom. I want to show off how hot my wife is. Go get Vashti the queen. And so they're like, all right. So they go get Vashti, right? They go into Vashti. Vashti is the queen. She's having her own party. With her own ladies, all right? That's some, that's some relationship advice. You know, couples who party together stay together, all right? That's our first sign that something was happening between them. They were partying separately, all right? So that's, that's not good, okay? Uh, so Vashti's off on her own. So the guys show up, and they're like, Hey, Vashti, Xerxes wants you to come out here and, and wants to show off how beautiful you are. And she goes, uh, Yeah, that's going to be a no. Yeah, and y'all ladies are like, Uh-huh, yeah. She's like, yeah, that's a no. And they're like, oh, man. So they go back to the king, Xerxes, and they're like, hey, Xerxes, we got a, we got a problem. And he's like, what? She's not coming? He's all upset. And they're like, yeah, this is a big problem. He's like, well, why is it such a big problem? He said, well, and this is the, the nobles that are around him. They're like, well, if Vashti doesn't obey you, it just means that our wives can't obey us, and that's a big problem. And so, you know, they're like, oh, this is right. You notice, for those of you in a relationship, Xerxes didn't go to Vashti and talk about this. He went to his boys. It's okay. You, you should do that, but communication is key. Just I'm going to drop that on you. Uh, so he goes to these guys, and these guys are like, man, this is a big problem. And so they tell Xerxes, why don't you write up a decree that says all the women, all the wives have to obey their husbands? And the guys are like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a terrible idea. Stop. Uh, and so what happens is Xerxes thinks this is a great time to make a relationship decision and says, you know what? Drunk. I'm going to sign that decree. And he signs the decree. And, and it's, it's problematic. We won't get into all the, all the problems there. And then his nobles decide, you know what? We need to find you a new queen. Let's have a beauty pageant. And so they, they go on to have uh, a beauty pageant. Um, and the beauty pageant begins. They're going to go into all of Persia, and they're going to gather the most beautiful women, the virgins, all of them, and bring them to the palace. Now, uh, I've studied a little bit about this. You know, what this means is there's different levels that you can be involved in the palace, all right? The base level, you could be considered a woman. If you were brought into the palace, you could be a concubine, which is 
uh, someone who would just hang around the temple. And then the next level would be a concubine that had a relationship with the king, if you understand what I'm saying. And then the next level would be you would be one of the king's wives. So the, the, the king had a lot of wives. But the top spot was the queen. This means that you would be queen of Persia. Let's read this next part. This is a part I call the come up. All right, Esther 2, 15 through 17. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai, pause, Mordecai is her cousin. Yeah, we love our cousins. Cousins are awesome. So young woman Mordecai had adopted the daughter of his uncle Abihail to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the harem, suggested, right? So all these women are showing up. She's like, just, she's like, she's not high maintenance is basically what they're saying. Like all the other women are like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And she's like, hey, I just, I'm here. Just let's do what we got to do, right? Uh, And then Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to the king Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Listen, this is an incredible story. This is like probably the best Cinderella story you've ever heard. This is like next level Cinderella story. Like if Disney made a movie, like it would be insane, all right? This is like the best Cinderella story, a true rags to riches story. We're talking about a woman, right, who was taken as a slave, all right? She is a Jewish slave on top of it, and she rises to be the queen of a superpower, all right? So this is a huge deal. This is not just some cute little story. This is massive. Not only does she save her life in the story, she saves the lives of entire people and puts an end to a genocide. That's how cool this story is, all right? It's how incredible it is. God provided Esther what I'm calling a God opportunity in her life, and she seized that opportunity. And like Esther, all of us are given God opportunities. And this is a Joel-ism. I think that there are good opportunities, and I think that there are God opportunities. And there are some things that God opportunities uh, look like, all right? But the truth is, is we're not going to be able to walk into a God opportunity if we have the wrong perspective. Esther was looking at her situation and seized that opportunity. And a lot of times people have a hard time connecting with Esther because they think she got lucky. You're probably sitting here right now like, okay, that's a cool story. She became queen. Lucky for her. Like, that's a huge opportunity. That opportunity will never happen for me. I want want you to write this down. God opportunities are often disguised as obstacles. God opportunities are often disguised as obstacles. That's why I say this is just me, but I think that there's good opportunities and then there's God opportunities. And a lot of times these God opportunities, not every time, but most of the time, are disguised as obstacles. As obstacles. All right? God opportunities are laced with obstacles and time. All right, what do you mean, Joel? Obstacles. Esther was an orphan. All right, you look at her and you go, oh, she made it. She did it. She was lucky. She was an orphan. Both of her parents were killed. Okay, I I still have both my parents, and I can't imagine what it's like to not have them. I'm sure that it's difficult, and I'm sure that there's, and it doesn't necessarily say how they died, but let's just say they were taken from their country, all right? 
by force, okay? I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it went down during that time, but she's an orphan and she doesn't have anybody. And then she's taken from her home and placed into a country and a culture that is not her own. And she's forced to live underground and not to live out her faith and to hide the fact that she's Jewish. I, I just want to say, when you look at Esther and if you think, oh, she's lucky, she just did it. I'm going to tell you, this opportunity for her did not come without obstacles. It did not come without obstacles. <clears throat> and a lot of us, we look at her situation and she seized an opportunity. But some of us miss opportunities because we're fixated on what happened instead of the future. Man, there have been times in my life that I've been fixated on the stuff that happened, the pain, the frustration. And what I'm saying is, I'm saying if we're stuck and we're fixated on all that other stuff, that we're going to miss those opportunities. We're gonna, if we're complaining like, my marriage is never going to get right, uh, I'm always overlooked, I'm never going to get that job that I want. If we're always complaining, I'm someone who believes that if you're constantly in that zone, you're going to be projecting into your life what possibly is probably going to happen. I'm not saying God can't break through it, but if you're living in that negativity and you're, and you're struggling, I mean... I think that God, God is wanting to see if you can handle the obstacle so that he knows that you can handle what he wants to give you. Does that make sense? He, you're going through this obstacle, and God's there with you, even though that he, feel, he seems absent, and he's walking with you. But he wants to see if you can handle this obstacle to know that you can handle the blessing that he wants to give you. The other thing that happens with God opportunities a lot of times, and this is the hardest thing I think for all of us, I think there's people in here who are going through some serious obstacles right now. you got a lot of pain, you're struggling, you feel like God is not present, and you're dealing with that. I want you to know that this, this most likely is a God opportunity. All right, There's going to be something that's going to come out of this difficult time in your life that's going to grow you closer to God, and you're going to walk out of it with some incredible things. And just like in my life, I look back, and I go, oh, there you were the whole time. The other thing that's hard about God opportunities is time. It's time. Man, we live in, you've heard this, we live in a microwave culture. We want everything right now. We can do everything right now. I mean, I could order, I can't order Chick-fil-A this Sunday, but I can order any food I want right now. I can do whatever. I can look up anything right now. I could probably find you and your whole family history right now on my phone. I'm just saying, we, can, we have everything right now. And a lot of times, God doesn't work the same way we do. Things of God, many times, take time. All right, look at Esther. She patiently prepares. When I read that text, it took me, what, like five minutes? Maybe less than five minutes to read it. So when we read the scripture, and it takes that shorter time, we think it happened in that time. We think that all this happened in like five minutes. I mean, subconsciously, you know, it, it, it happens like this. If you look at the text, actually, uh, Esther chapter 1 to Esther chapter 2 took four years. So it was four years since she, since she joined the beauty pageant. She hasn't even seen the king in four years. And then after the four years, there's an entire year where they're prepping her to see the king. That's a lot of spa treatments, mani-pedis. They're getting her ready to see the king, right? That, sometimes your God opportunities take time. It take, they take time. Real life is a process, right? It's not a movie. Hour and 45 minutes and you're doing good and there's ups and downs, valleys, protagonist, antagonist, ends on a high note. Uh, listen, life just isn't like that, right? Right? It's a process. It's a process. And we want things to happen like this, but sometimes God opportunities take 
time, and I want to be very serious with you in this moment because it not only is time, uh, waiting on God is important, but it's how you wait that's really important. I would almost say how you wait is more important than the fact that you're waiting. Um, man, we have uh, an incredible woman in our church. Um, man. She and her husband have struggled for a very long time to conceive a child. And they've, they've gone through it. And as you can imagine, just the mental and spiritual and emotional struggle that comes with that. All right. And, and you know what? Here's the crazy thing. Do you know where she serves in our church? She serves in the nursery. So she's there every Sunday. If you have a baby in this room, she's held your child. She's prayed, prayed, said a prayer over your child. She's an incredible person in our church. And the thing that hits me so hard is that she was waiting. She was believing and knowing, God, I'm, I, I need you. I'm, I'm waiting on this promise. And she could have done a lot of things. She could have been bitter. She could have been upset. She could have struggled. She could have said snide comments to you. Or she could have said some passive-aggressive statement. But you know what she did? She was like at every children's birthday party. She was at every baby shower. And the thing, the thing that... It hits home with me is that the day one of the treatments failed, she was at my son's birthday party and hugging my son and brought a gift to my son. Man. And now, and you got many of you guys know her, Chrissy. She she's now pregnant. She's got a big old baby bump. Come on. She's ready to pop like any day now, actually. I think, I mean, she might be, I can't see, I don't know if you're in here, but she could be leaving right right now. That would be dope if you could make that happen. Uh <clears throat> I mean, we could have her walk across here with that baby bump right now, and that'd be the only sermon you need for today. But when I look at her life, I, man, and I look at what she's done, and the, the, man, she didn't even know that if it was going to happen. She didn't even know. But you know what she decided? You know what? I'm going to love God, and how I wait matters. And she shows up and is hugging babies, loving kids. Man, is that not powerful? Man, and some of you, you may not know. You're praying for something. You're praying for something that might seem impossible. You're going, you know what, I, I don't know if this is going to happen. And right now, maybe you're struggling with that bitterness, struggling with that frustration and anger. But I, I want to tell you, how you wait matters. And Esther in the scripture, in the story, she waits with grace. She's, she's away from her home, away from her people, and she waits, and she waits. Are you prepared for the opportunity God has for you? Let's read the next text. This is uh, this part of my sermon is called Let's Go to Work. All right, Esther 4, 14 through 16. If you keep silent at this time, this is Mordecai talking. If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days or nights. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. And after that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. Opportunity was knocking for her. And opportunity is knocking for you. You may be in an obstacle, but opportunity is knocking I love this, right? The Jews are in big trouble. All right, Mordecai came to her because there's a guy named Haman. 
Haman was a bad dude, all right? He was upset with the Jews, mainly because if you read back, Mordecai, this is so funny, it's not funny, uh, Mordecai wouldn't bow to Haman. So Haman's like, I don't like you, and I don't like all you Jews. And so he writes a decree that says, we're going to kill them all. So, so Mordecai's flipped out. Like the, the Bible says he did sackcloth and ashes. That's a whole other study. But he, that joker had ashes on his head, and he ran to the temple. And it says they wouldn't even let him in the temple because I'm sure he was looking wild. And he's like, I need to talk to Esther. And gets a hold of Esther and is like, look, you got to go to the king now. Like you got to go now. Like you got to talk to him. Like your life is in the balance. My life is in the balance. And all of our people, our lives are in the balance. Listen, if this goes through, we're dead. And something interesting happens here. Um, he says this right here. I like, I like what he says. Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is the verse that a lot of people know Esther for. Maybe you've come to your royal position for just a time as this. Maybe God has put you and you're in this obstacle for, net, for the, right now, for this opportunity. Like This opportunity means that you are about to move, you're about to make a move, you're about to react. And the thing that happens here is so funny. So Mordecai is her cousin, technically cousin, but acts more like an uncle, right? He's freaking out, he's coming to her, and she does something interesting. Instead of freaking out, again, she doesn't know the outcome, she prepares she says, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days or nights, and I, my female servants, will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if, against the, if it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Where did she learn about fasting? That's not a Persian concept. That wasn't something she learned in the temple. You know, I think that she remembered when she was a little Jewish girl and she was sitting at the family table with all her family and she heard stories of Jehovah and how Jehovah had delivered them, how they had fasted and prayed. And I thought it was interesting that instead of freaking out and going straight to the king, she pulls on what she knows is right, pulls on what she knows is true, what she is. What she has seen her ancestors do, and she says, look, I want you to gather all the Jews, and we're going to fast and pray. Oh, man. I love that. Have you ever felt pressure to make a decision? She told Mordecai to wait. She said, I'm not going to shoot from the hip. I'm not going to just react. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to prepare. And again, she didn't know the outcome. Perhaps you're in a situation right now, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Maybe it's time you need to prepare. You got to quit shooting from the hip, doing what you think is right. You need to go to God. You need to talk to him. Fasting and praying. I love it. She was proactive instead of reactive. We have to prepare. One of my favorite Christian rappers, Andy Minio, he said, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. I think uh, you may be going through something like right now, and, and it's important that you take it to God, that you prepare your heart. You don't, you don't need to act in and rush stupid or act stupid. You need to prepare your heart and mind for the opportunity that God is going to give you. And listen, having faith and keeping your eyes on God in the midst of obstacles takes work. I mean, think about a job. Think about a job interview for a minute, right? 
You don't just roll out of bed looking all crazy and your hair is all wild. You just, I got to go to this job. And you just walk in and you expect to get that job. No, no. What do you do? What do you do? You get your clothes out. You lay them out the night before. Kind of prep, right? Make sure your resume is looking good. You go to your social media and clean it up because you know they're going to look at it. Uh, You make sure, you know, you're ready. You you got all the answers to all the questions about customer service and everything in your head. Uh Uh-huh, this is what I would do, right? Yes, uh uh-huh. You put on your best smile. You're looking good. You don't know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know if you're getting the job or not, but you know what? You're going to show up, and you're going to be there on time early, and then it's just going to be, you got to prep yourself. You got to get ready, all right? Those were just some tips in case you're looking for a job right now. Just want to throw that out there. I saw a few of y'all writing like, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Y'all been wondering why you've been showing up crazy at interviews and not getting the job? Oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> but you got to prep for those interviews. You got to be ready for the opportunity. You got to be ready and prepared for the opportunity. I like this quote from Thomas Edison. It says, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. You're in an opportunity right now. You're going through an obstacle, a struggle. Maybe it's time for you to put in some work. You know, maybe it's time for you to fast and pray. We live in a, a, a culture that's all about consumption. That's what's the cool thing about fasting is it's saying, I'm not going to consume. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with God. I'm going to seek him. Maybe you got to hear from God. Maybe you got to talk to God. Maybe you got to fast and pray. It's time for you to prepare. Here's the last thing I want to talk to you today um, is just is beautiful. Esther 7, 1 through 4. The king and Haman came to the feast with Esther the queen. Once again on the second day while drinking wine, the king, queen, the king asked Esther, Queen Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you seek, even to half the kingdom will be done. Queen Esther answered, if I have obtained your approval, my king, and if the king is pleased, Spare my life. This is my request and spare my people. This is my desire. For my people and I have been sold out to destruction, death, and extermination. If we had merely been sold as male or female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening the king. So she approaches the king. You don't understand. You can die for this. If you approach the king and try to speak to him and he doesn't extend his scepter or he doesn't address you ahead of time, you can die. You can imagine the nerves that she's feeling. And she, she puts together a banquet and invites him and Haman to the party. And so she, she tells the king this, right? She goes to the king, and something that I thought was interesting is she goes to the king with grace, courage, respect, and love, and God honors her. And this is just kind of like a little side note. Most God opportunities come through people, if I'm honest. Like the job that you're working, your job you're trying to get, the things that are happening in your life, most God opportunities come through people. So if you don't offer them love and respect and grace, you know, you could possibly miss the opportunity. Just to cap it up, you know, here's kind of what I want you to, to take away from this morning. You know, trust God when there seems to be no trace of him. What do you need from God today? Are you going through an obstacle right now and you feel like there's no trace of God? Maybe today you need to trust him. Maybe you need to stay on that straight and narrow. Maybe it's time that you've been kind of just acting crazy, man. Maybe it's time to to trust him. 
The second thing is this. God opportunities are often disguised as obstacles. I want you to remember that. Because when we walk into obstacles, we freak out. But maybe that obstacle is there to provide a God opportunity for you. Maybe there's a blessing or something that's going to happen on the other side of that that you, that you can't see. The third thing is, it takes time. And how are you going to wait? How are you going to wait? Do you need God to help you improve your perspective? How are you going to wait? If you're somebody who's been just eat up on the inside because of bitterness, hurt, frustration, struggle, and it's been killing you on the inside, it's time to go to God about it. It's time to talk to God about how you're going to wait. Are you going to love your enemies? Are you going to love people through the pain? Are you going to be like Chrissy? And the fourth thing is be proactive instead of reactive by preparing for the opportunity, fast and pray. Are you willing to prepare when you don't know the outcome? Are you willing to put in the work right now, spiritually, um, to make it really, at the end of the day, to make it out of this obstacle and survive? Take it to God. This morning, everyone just bow your heads. This morning, the band's gonna play. And I just wanna open up this, this altar down here. It's also a school auditorium, like stage area. I want to open up this area down here because we can pray anywhere. And this morning, man, if that's you, if you're someone who's like, man, I'm going through an obstacle. I feel like God is invisible. I don't know what to do. And these words from Esther have been speaking to you today. And you feel like you need to come to God and you need to have a conversation. And, uh, and you want to talk to him. Come on down here and grab some carpet. Kneel on the carpet and pray. If you want somebody to pray with you, we can do that. Otherwise, we're just going to leave you alone. You and God have that conversation. If you're someone and, and there's obstacles in your life and you're struggling, you need somebody to pray with, you can grab me or someone down here and we can pray for you. But just don't miss this opportunity, this lesson that we learned from Esther, that there is an invisible God who loves you and is want, wants best for you and is walking with you through this obstacle. And he wants to see how you're gonna, how you're going to do but just know he has your best interest in mind and he loves you. So this morning, if that's you, man, let's just take this opportunity to pray. If you got someone in the room that you want to pray with or you want to pray for, you can do that. Let's just, this room ought to be a place of prayer over the next few minutes. The band's going to play. And then, uh, and then let me pray. God, thank you for this, God. Thank you for this message, God. Thank you for this, this story, this historical moment. God, for just a time of this, you have built us and shaped us to walk through this obstacle with grace and courage and strength. And God, I'm believing that some of us today are going to choose to, to, to wait on God with strength and courage and boldness. I'm believing, God, today that some of us are waiting and, and preparing. And God, I'm also believing today, God, that though you may be invisible, God, you are working in the background for our good. God, we love you and we need you today. You are our need. No one else can fix this need but you. God, we love you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.